All right, well, last Sunday, uh, many of you joined us outside at Coleman Park as we combined with Cornerstone Church and held baptisms. It was an absolute blast to get to watch uh, Eliza Anderson publicly go, uh, like, let everyone know that she loves Jesus and is following him. Well, we had one person who wanted to be there but couldn't. Bella Englehart contacted and said, hey, I, uh, I, I want to be baptized. Um, I'm going to let her share her story. Uh, and uh, I said, well, in an ideal world, I'm talking with her mom, Donna. I said, in an ideal world, when would be the perfect Sunday? And we'll make arrangements. Donna says, well, to be honest, we'd love it to be the next Sunday, July 17th, because that's Bella's birthday. And I said, we'll do what we can to make it happen. So, Bella, would you please come join me? And then also this week, uh, as we already had this all set, Cross Point Church is letting us borrow their tank for this Sunday. I get a text on Wednesday, and it's from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, whenever you have a baptism again, I'm going to get baptized. It's time. And I said, what are you doing this Sunday? So Jeremiah, would you also come join me up on stage? I've asked these two if they would be willing to share a little bit of the stories of why they're making this decision to follow uh, Jesus and go public with their faith by getting dunked in water. And uh, they'd like to read those to you now. My name is Bella Engelhart. I first gave my life to Jesus and chose to follow him at camp. That night at camp that I threw my stick in the fire, I drew, it drew me closer to Jesus than ever. And it told me that he died for me. I chose to, fo I chose to give my life to Jesus today by being baptized. Hi, I'm Jeremiah. I started to follow Jesus back 11 years ago when I was six. I then decided not to get baptized because I didn't really understand why we needed to get baptized. And I was also kind of afraid of water. When I got older, I, was no I realized why Jesus calls us to be baptized. And I was no longer afraid of water but I had a fear of people, and I thought, you know what, I'm too old, it'll be embarrassing. And I realized I was just being silly, and now I'm here to be baptized and commit myself to Jesus. All right, well, before we uh, jump in the water, let me pray for you too. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the work you are doing in these, uh, the lives of these teenagers, that they are coming to this realization that this uh, crazy story is true, that there is a triune God who created this entire world, that he made humans in his image, and yet those humans took that image and destroyed it through their sin. They willingly rebelled against you. They turned selfish, and yet, God, you were not mad at them. You are mad at sin. You love humans, and so that is why you came yourself. Jesus, God the Son, took on human flesh and lived the only sinless life that has ever been lived, and yet and went and died in the sinner's place upon a cross. I thank you that you've allowed these two to see that, and not to do this simply because this is what their mom or dad believe or because this is what their church talks about, because it's true. And as their eyes have been opened to this and their realization that they need to give all of themselves to you because you, Jesus, gave all of yourself for them, thank you that we get to celebrate this beautiful, holy moment with them. So God, may you be glorified in their lives, not just through this act of preaching the gospel through their bodies as they identify with the burial, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but that you would be glorified through their lives as they go about and live it. Father, I pray that you would protect them as they are now saying that they belong to you. 
our enemy would love to hound them, to, to ruin them, to, to devastate them. So God, would you protect them? That when they have doubts, that you would help grow them through those. That when they struggle emotionally, that they would find the, the strength to carry on. That they would seek to trust you. And that this moment right here, this would be like a stake in the ground along the path of their life. And when the tough times come, they can look back upon this day and know that they knew the truth, you were with them, and you called them to follow you. And so that will help carry them on into the future. So God, thank you that we get to do this together, that we get to celebrate this as a whole entire church. And we pray that you'd be glorified as we are filled with joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so you guys want to go? those of you wondering, yes, the water is warm. <laughs> because I'm not preaching today, I thought about just staying in here and watching Ed's sermon from the hot tub. Uh, all right. Bella, having heard your confession of faith in Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. With that, if you would turn your attention to the video screens, Psalm 61. Oh, yeah, sorry. Kids, you can take off for Kids Creek. Apologize. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Edward Pavlik. I'm an elder uh, here at Riverwood, uh, currently on sabbatical, um, deployed for the Iowa National Guard down to the southwest border. And I'm here at sunrise just after in the Imperial Dunes in California uh, to help augment uh, the point of our, our psalm today. Um, I pray that you are all uh, well, that the weather is nice there. It's, it's good here. Uh, when the sun's not up, it can be very hot when it uh, is midday down here. Um, but right now it's, it's pretty nice. Um, it's a recreational area that people come to and it's fairly close to the border wall. It's just over on the other side of this hill, which I'm not going to go over there right now. Um, but it does help uh, make today's uh, point. We're going to be talking through 
Psalm 61, uh, David's psalmist here. And I'm going to start off by uh, reading it for you. So if you have a copy of God's Word, please open it up uh, with me. Um, your page numbers can be different than my page. Uh, but we'll be reading Psalm 61. I'll give you a second to go there. So Psalm 61 is titled, Assurance of God's Eternal Protect Protection. To the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the wings of your shelter, Selah. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Let's pray with me, please. Uh, Father, we are thankful to be able to open your word, uh, to contemplate uh, the musings of people in the past inspired by your sovereign hand and the will that you had for their lives, that you would move them, Lord, that you move us in, in a way. Uh, thank you, Father, for the gift that is understanding of your word your will. Help us to parse through this passage and to understand what David was going through, to take it in and to apply it properly, to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear. I ask, Father, that you would cover over my failings and my words and my stumbling. And even though I'm doing this from far away, I ask, Father, that you would be, as I know you are, sovereign and over it. Help us each, Lord, to understand, to come to love like you love. Amen. Being far away from what you're comfortable doing normally is really hard. I know this firsthand right now. I'm far from the comforts that I experience at home, the routine that I rely on, that some of you might rely on. It's what I know and what I love, and I'm doing something that I ultimately have very little desire to do. I do it out of obligation. The sets of circumstances that brought me here are the results of my own choices. Um, you're not seeing what I'm seeing, but I'm looking the other direction from this, and it's just nothing. There's nothing. Uh, people choose to come here. I didn't, but I did. Our lives are this arc of experience, and um, we're not passive riders on it. We're participants in what we're doing. The choices we make are our own. We reap what we sow. You probably understand some of that. In our psalm today, David finds himself in a place that's similar. Um, so we're not going to dwell too much on it, but it's that history part that I, that I like. Um, David most likely uh, wrote this during a, the time of Absalom's rebellion. So Absalom uh, was um, 
one of David's sons. Absalom came and drove his father away. Now, David, wanting to avoid some bloodshed during this time, chose to leave, to flee and, and to be far from his throne. Um, but Absalom nonetheless came to do this thing. He did it um, as the result of a series of events. So a different son of David had raped a daughter of David, and Absalom was not having that. He saw the failings of his father. Now, how could David, being this great king, have wrought these things? Um, well, if you go way back uh, to when David first brings the ark back, he's dancing in the streets. His first marriage, his wife, uh, Michelle, is scorning him, making fun of him uh, for, for dancing in the streets with his people, taking off all of his royal garb and being like one of them down on the floor having a good time. But he's celebrating, he's dancing, it's wonderful, beautiful. Um, but her and her scorn damages David. And from there out, he uh, multiplies wives. They are irreconciled for the remainder of his of his time. And um, it's a, a terrible thing, and it's something to study in terms of uh, marriage and how you speak and treat uh, one another. Um, several teachings that I listened to and preparing for today um, really dwelt on that, and it's, it's something to go read, and, and so is the Absalom's Rebellion. And, um, go read it. Uh, but that dysfunction, that thing that wasn't in keeping the way God intended for it to be, uh, created a series of events after it that never healed. And because of it, because he multiplied wives, this thing has occurred. So David finds himself having been driven away from all of these comforts, the result of his own choices. Finds himself at the end of the earth. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. Now, was he really at the end of the earth? Yes, it's an end. It goes, it goes around. But that resonated with me as I'm at the end of the earth, the end of our country, on the edge of our country right now. It's, it's a desolate, not-so-fun place to be. But what does David remember? The trials that were created by his own sinfulness. What did he have left? Did he have his guard with him? What comfortable things were with him? We don't know. But he did have something that he carried with him. He remembered God's promises. Now if you read back through the psalm, when it says, Attend to my prayer, from the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Just that phrase there you can spend a lot of time on. When my heart is overwhelmed. So he is, he's grieved to be where he's at. He's, he's desperate. He's drawn. Not himself overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's Christ. There's so much um, stability language, rock language in terms of Christ. And even here in Psalms in the Old Testament, you see Jesus, who is the rock. The rock in everyone's lives, the rock of the universe. All of creation is built on him. He is the word made flesh. And he is the point of what we're doing, why we're talking, what we're studying. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
the thing that he knows about Jesus leads his prayer. Does it lead your prayers? Christ is a shelter for you. He's your tabernacle. His great wings are your covering. That language creates in you this idea of the person of Christ and what he is in your life, that strong tower, a place of covering, a place of shelter and stability. It's not like the sands that you see here. There's sands, there's sands all around. The Imperial Dunes go up uh, 300 something feet over here, but it's just shifting sand. The wall itself, the border wall on the other side of this, is, is built on platforms and it has to be moved um, because the sands blow so much. Down here there's no snow, but there are sand plows because they make sand dunes over the road and it'll flip a truck. It's really quite interesting, but it's constantly shifting. There's nothing stable about it. And here David remembers who Christ is, that he's a rock. He won't move. He's the thing that's stable. He's the shelter. And in his desperation, he remembers the one place he ought to properly look to send his prayers. How wise would it be for us to do the same? He remembers the heritage. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. Sometimes the language that is in David's Psalms overlays the promise of the coming Messiah. And it's a both and here. David knows that God will keep his promise to him, and he knows that the heritage of his line is the Messiah one way. It's the, the Davidic line. Out of it comes Christ. And in that understanding, his prayers are proper. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. He's talking about himself. He's talking about Christ. So I will sing your praise. Sing praise to your name forever. I may daily perform my vows. Another image that, uh, that, that just kind of rested on me in terms of understanding this this psalm and, and applying it uh, to your life, not reading yourself into the psalm. It's very specific about what it's about, um, but applying what's happening here, that understanding of prayer is the prayer itself, and then understanding a little bit of God's character. I'll start with the, the God's character part. I just recently, I'm messing with my notes here, I just recently uh, sent an excerpt from a book. If you guys have ever read the, uh, the screw tape letters, it's a, it's a wonderful book, um, and I'm not, so I'm not quoting this authoritatively, but the observation, I think it's pretty good. Uh, start with explanation. There are times that you see uh, your children, or, or maybe someone that you're helping to teach, and God to us as we to them. I'll talk about it in terms of my children. When I'm standing afar off, and my children perceive my absence. So to them, I'm not there. But I can see them, I'm always with them. Uh, my will carries them, I give them instruction. I've spent this time in preparing them to go out into the world, and those little glimpses that I get when they operate amongst themselves, I'm thinking of a specific instance when they were treating each other really well, playing uh, with each other, 
in the yard, having done work that I asked them to do, and they were continuing on in obedience to the thing that I had given them in the past. They remembered it as they went out, and they did it. And to me, it, my heart was full. I was so satisfied to see what they were doing. It was beautiful. It was just like, they, they learned. How wonderful was that? Oh. And it, it's, it's a great thing to see. So like that, listen to this. He never allows his state of affairs to last long. Sooner or later, he withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their conscious experience. So in this book, uh, the elder demon, Screwtape, is writing to Wormwood. It's a series of letters. Um, really interesting book. You should, you should read it. It's really interesting. So he's giving him instruction, and so everything's inverted. He leaves the creature, that's us, to stand up on its own legs, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. It is such during such trough periods, much more than during peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature he wants it to be, that's God to us. Hence the prayers offered in a state of dryness are those which please him best. That's wonderful. It goes on to say, Do not be deceived, Wormwood, so this is Screwtape saying it. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, that's, that's God, looks round upon the universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished and asks why he's been forsaken and still obeys. Have you been there? Have you been where David was, cut off from everything? Have you been... Uh, where this the, the patient here is cut off, seemingly alone, but you're never alone, never alone. Where do you look when you're desperate? When you don't have the comforts of home? When your prayers have nothing but memory, all that the posturing that you have, you know that the presence that be the, the folded hands and the, and the bowing heads, the eyes, all about that sacred posture, that feeling of presence is, is cut off. There's nothing good about what's happening around you, and you are completely alone. What do you remember? You're not alone. God is always there. He's always watching. He's always present. His will carries you always. You must remember that must. It's pleasing to God. And, and don't we want to do that? Don't we want to understand His will for our lives? Understanding that will for our lives is of imminent importance. This Word, God's Word, is something that we need to come to rely on, to rest on, to remember, and to carry with us. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. He had made promises, made obligations, remembered that he had promises to keep. I have vows in my marriage, I have promises I've made to my children family and friends, I have obligations and 
and work. They carry me out like God's word. Give me a focus for the day. Even when I'm alone. I don't want some vain repetition to lead my life or a desire for some aesthetic or a certain image. I want it to be God's word that carries me on. The promises that I've made to him and, and he to me, the things that he's told me, I want them to guide every step that I have, every word that comes out of my mouth, how I move my hands and feet in the world are up to him because of him, for him, his sake and his glory. I want to honor my maker, my Lord, my King, Jesus Christ. I want the same for you. Do you desire that? And it isn't a fervency of desire that I'm making an appeal to. It's that you see how good God is and you respond to it in desperation sometimes to come out of it and praise so that you can do what God wants you to be doing. Remember that, please. Sit in God's word. Contemplate in desolation sometimes. And praise sometimes. In every season of life, because we're all in different seasons of life. I'm in an odd one now. I pray that you are each well. I desire to see each one of you again. With the people there that I've never met before. I'm so excited to meet you. To study with you. To learn with you. To talk about Christ with you. So pray with me, please. Uh, Father, thank you for the gift that is your word, for the time that we have to come together. I ask, Lord, that you would indwell each one of us, press on us with uh, your presence, and help us uh, to feel emboldened sometimes, but to rely on your will as we move forward in our day, to remember what you've told us, to keep our vows, Help us, Lord, to do these things. We're so lost without you. We need you always. And if it's for us to be put into places where we do realize that all we have is looking up, all we have is you, then so be it, Father. I ask it, a frightening thing, but we ask it. I pray this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.